Well, amen, all God's people said. Amen. Thank you so much, Jennifer and David, for that incredible song. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in our time of worship uh, this morning. I'm telling you, it is so good. It is so good to be in corporate worship. Uh, as you know, I've been gone for several weeks, and uh, I just feel, uh, church today, I, I just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit of the living God in this place, and, and it is just so good uh, to be here um, this, this morning. If you would take your Bible, and we're going to walk away uh, this morning from our series in 1 John. I've been gone so long, you may have forgotten that we were in 1 John. Uh, but I'm going to walk away from that this morning, and we're going to go to the middle of our Bible, to Psalm 13, and I want to preach a message that is burning in my heart this morning entitled, How Long? Um, how Long? You know, uh, all of us have stories from when we grew up. We all have different um, remembrances that, uh, that just are stuck in our mind uh, about the neighborhood or uh, when we were children. And there's one story that I can uh, always remember, and it's about our neighborhood friend, a boy, uh, about my same age, and he was um, rambunctious. Uh, he was just one of those real rambunctious kind of um, children, and um, his mother in the summer would often lock him out of the house. And I'm not kidding. Um, all of you know where I grew up, and they would just lock him out of the house. And I remember sitting on the front porch, and I remember listening to him and actually watching him from a distance. And, and this is no hyperbole. This is no exaggeration whatsoever. He would stand out in the front yard, and he would go, Mama, Mama, Mama. Mama, 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 for an hour. He would stand there. And, and even as a child, I sat there and I thought, you know what? His cornbread's not quite all the way done. And looking back on it, um, I don't think my cornbread was all the way done. And the older I get, I'm going to be honest with you. I've known all of you for a long time. I don't think any of our cornbread's all the way done. I want you to look at your neighbor right now, whoever you're sitting next to, and say, your cornbread's not done. Would you do that? And, and if you don't know what I mean, uh, Google it. All right? But don't Google it right now. When, when you look at this passage of Scripture, David is, he is on an emotional roller coaster. He really is. When, when we look at this passage, we see desperation and, and we see discouragement. When we look at this passage, um, we see that, that he is going through the vicissitudes of life. He is going on this roller coaster and he is trying desperately to get God's attention. My friend that stood out in front of his house and yelled, Mama, for an hour or more, he was trying to get his mom's attention. David was trying desperately to get God's attention. 
And when we read our text, I think you're going to see the truth of that. I think you're going to see the tension of this Scripture. And so if you would, Psalm 13, allow your eyes to fall on verse 1. The Bible says this, How long, O Lord? So say those two words with me, the very first two words. How long? long. Say it one more time. How long? One more time. How long? All right. Now let that just fall into your heart there. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say I have prevailed against him lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he has dealt bountifully with me. He's been good to me. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we bow before you. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to see this morning, on this beautiful Sunday morning, what we need to see. Father, as we um, crawl into the cave with David. Lord, as, as we crawl into the cave and, and Lord, as, as we um, just sort of put our backs to the cave as, as surely he was doing, as Saul's men were, were chasing him, God, I, I just ask that you would help us to understand where he was in his life and that it would speak to each and every heart to where we are this morning in our lives. So, Father, I just need you today. I, I need clarity. Father, I, I pray that you would help me to preach what, what you have placed in my heart. And, God, that I do it from the bottom of my heart. And that we, again, might feel you through this text. Would you draw a circle around this preacher and let the fire of heaven fall? For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are three things that I want us to notice in this passage of Scripture this morning. First of all, I want us to understand and acknowledge, really, David's pain. David's pain. The reason that I had you repeat with me those two words, how long, 
is because four different times in our text, you notice that he used that. How long, how long, how long, how long, over and over and over and over. And so it's obvious that he was emphasizing something. He was trying to get God's attention. And he says this, how long will you forget me? And he adds this, forever? Will you forget me forever? And I'm telling you, this is the reason I believe that we connect so much with David. This is the reason I believe that we love the Psalms and we love David so much. Uh, it, it seems like every time that I'm going through a difficult time, every time that I'm going through a time of discouragement or a time of despair or a time where uh, or I'm confused, I run, I really do, I run to the book of Psalms. David wrote so many of them. And, and it seems like that every situation that I'm in, he's been in a similar situation. Charles Spurgeon put it like this. Let me read this to you. Spurgeon, the prince of preachers from yesteryear, he put it like this. Whenever you look into David's Psalms, you may somewhere or other see yourselves. You never get into a corner, but you find David in that corner. I think that I was never so low that I could not find that David was lower. And I've never climbed so high that I could not find that David was up above me, ready to sing his song upon his stringed instrument, even as I could sing mine. I think one of the reasons that we love him is because he's so transparent. I would like to put it like this, in the Psalms, the ones that he wrote, church, he really, we would say it like this, I would say it like this, he spilled his guts. He was absolutely just so honest. And in this particular Psalm, now we don't really know the context because the context is not given. But as I look at this, I believe more than likely, as I said in my prayer, that it was around the time that, that Saul's men were chasing David down, and it had been an extended time, and he had hit a point of exhaustion. He had hit the wall, and this is the reason why. Because he felt, now listen carefully, church, and, 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 and see if you can remember a time in your life that, that you have felt these feelings as well. He felt that God was absent. He felt in many ways that, that he had been abandoned by God, that he had been deserted by God. He felt in so many ways that, that God was ignoring him, that for some reason God was unavailable. When you look at the passage of Scripture, verse 1, again it says, How long, O Lord, listen, will you forget me forever? In, in, in my Bible here, I've written in pencil the word forgotten. He felt like, in many ways, he felt like that God had forgotten him. Now, God had not forgotten him, but that's what he felt, that God had forgotten him. How long will you forget me? And again, he says, forever? Sometimes we've been there. Maybe you have dealt with a drawn-out sickness 
personally or with someone that you absolutely love. Maybe it's been months and months of financial difficulties that that seem like there's just no end to them. Maybe it's marriage problems. Maybe it's just relationship situations. Maybe it is a situation at work that, that just lingers and lingers and lingers. Or maybe it's just 2020. Are you tracking with me right now? Maybe it's just 2020 when, when it feels like everything has happened. And, and I tell you, um, I was reading through the Psalms uh, around October the 13th. I know it because it's in my journal. And, and I'm telling you, this Psalm on October the 13th jumped out of the Bible and into my heart because I needed it so badly. I felt like David where he was calling out, How long, oh God, have you forgotten me? Have you forsaken me? We've all been there. All of us have been there. And if you've not been there, mark this down because you will be there one day. I promise you, you will be there one day, and this passage will help you and bless you. There will be a time in your life that you'll be so burdened that you can't eat. You know you need to eat, but you can't eat. There'll be a time where you can't sleep. You need to sleep, but you can't get to sleep. There'll be a time when you wake up sad and you go to bed sad. And I'm telling you, this psalm will come alive in your heart. Sometimes you know why. But sometimes you don't know why you're going through things. Sometimes you don't know why something happens. The other day, when I first got out of jail quarantine jail the other day when I got out I was so happy I was so happy and I wanted to go through and I won't mention the name of the place but I wanted to go through and get me a cup of coffee it's got a yellow M and I wanted to go through and get me a cup of coffee and I was so excited and and I was pumped up and just I was out And, and so I pulled up and this little guy came on the speaker thing and said, uh, may I help you? What would you like? And I said, I want a small uh, cup of coffee black, and that's all I want. He said, all right, that'll be a dollar nine. And, and, and so I pulled around, and when I pulled around, he handed me the cup of coffee, and he said, here's your senior coffee, sir. I said, did you? I didn't say it. I thought senior coffee because when I ordered it I was so cheerful and so youthful I mean bouncy even I didn't say sunny I'd like some that's my old talk I guess I'd like some coffee I didn't say that I said I would like a cup of coffee and black and that's all I want and Here's your senior coffee. And I'm thought, honestly, for a moment, I said, have you even shaved the first time in your life yet? I mean, honestly, did your mommy drop you off at work? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but I didn't say it. But it really didn't make any sense unless they've got cameras on me out there or something must be. I don't know. But why they could tell through my voice, my youthful sounding voice, amen, 
that I was in my mid-50s, and I am. And so, but, but things like that, you know, you, just, you don't understand, but that's a minor thing. But there are things in our lives that are not minor. And church, if you're honest, this year, many of us have lived through those things. If we're honest, many of us feel the heartbeat of the psalmist. We feel his heartbeat. Where COVID has so depleted the church. I didn't bring my journaling Bible, but, but on that day in October, I wrote down so many things. One of the last ones, and I, I just wrote it. I'm being transparent before you. I wrote, God, I'm going through the hardest time in 35 years of ministry. And then the other day, I put at the bottom of that, I just wrote this in pencil. And then my dad died. And I felt myself, how long? Crying out to God. But I want you to notice something here. Look at verse 1 again. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Not only did he feel like he was forgotten, but he felt forsaken. Notice, how long will you, look, hide your face from me? Do you see that? How long will you hide your face from me? And, and, and when you look at that passage of Scripture, the face of God is, is the blessing of God. And in here, he, he feels absolutely forsaken. How long can, will you do this? And then he goes on, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? In other words, how long, will I'm going, how long am I going to be in this anguish, having sorrow in my heart daily? having sorrow in my heart every day. If you're new to the faith, I want to I let you in on something. If you're new to the faith, I just want to let you in on this. God's timetable is different than our timetable. Okay? If you haven't realized that yet, I promise you that you will realize that. I'll never forget the story of Pastor Philip Brooks that was walking around and he was pacing in his office. And someone looked at him and said, what in the world is wrong with you, Pastor? And this is what he said. He said, you ask me what the trouble is? The trouble is I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. Have you ever been there before? I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. And again, we sense here in this passage, we sense David's pain. We, we sense his sorrow as he's crying out to God, as he's saying, God, I, I don't understand. Where are you? I feel abandoned. I feel like you've ignored me. I feel like my prayers have hit a brass ceiling. And can I just, I'm looking at every one of you right now. I'm looking at every one of you. I've met every eye. Have you ever felt that before? I'm telling you, I have. I have. And, and David did. And so we see, we see his pain. But the second thing quickly that I want you to notice is this, David's prayer. 
What does he do? See, what we, we have to understand is maybe his situation is different, but the solution is the same. His situation may be different than mine or than yours, but, but his solution is the same. And we find that beginning in verse 3. Notice, consider and answer me or hear me, O Lord, my God. Now, don't let that phrase just dance past you. Because when you look at it there on the screen, consider and hear me, he's saying, look at me, God. He goes, O Lord, it's all capital there, and that is Jehovah God. And what he's calling out to, who he's calling out to there is Jehovah God. Listen, the covenant-keeping God, the God that keeps his promises. The God that keeps his promises. And so in his prayer, in his prayer, and by the way, Matthew Henry said, days of trouble must be days of prayer. And I promise you that. Days of trouble must be days of prayer. And so what he does is he says, God, would you look at me? Would you consider me? Oh, Lord, Jehovah, that covenant-keeping God, the God that keeps his promises. You see, what David truly began to realize is we can't live on our feelings because our feelings will lie to us. We must live on fact we've got to live on the facts of the truth of God that God does keep his promises he might not be on our timetable but he does keep his promises our God is alive and he loves us it says Lord that is Jehovah and then God Elohim in the Hebrew is creator God. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. Here he calls out, Consider and hear me, O Lord, Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God, my God, Elohim, creator God, and he is the God of all power. A God that can step out on nothing and create everything. And what does he do? In verse 3, he says, Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. He says, Enlighten my eyes, lest I will sleep the sleep of death. I mean, this is how low he was. This is how discouraged he was. And then he says, And my enemy will say, I have prevailed against him, or I've overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I'm moved or when I'm shaken. Church, what David is doing in this prayer is he is really, he's getting a hold of God. He is really getting a hold of God. The God that keeps his promises and the God that has all the power to help. He's asking for wisdom. He's asking for understanding. He's asking for enlightenment. That God would enlighten his eyes. You see, the reason that sometimes our trials are extended is because God wants to change us before he changes our circumstances. I want to say that again. Sometimes the reason that we have extended trials is because God is working on me and he wants to change me before he changes our 
circumstances. You see, we want everything real quick and in a hurry. There are people, I don't understand them, that there are people that drink instant coffee. I don't understand that to save my life. And if you drink instant coffee, I'm not sure you're saved. But anyway, there are people that drink instant coffee. There are people that eat somehow, some way, instant mashed potatoes. Some of you that are looking at me right now, you do. I can tell. Instant mashed potatoes, powder, and oh. There are people that eat instant oatmeal. I've done that. Church, we want a fast, we, we want everything fast. Everything in a hurry. We want a fast food God with drive through prayer is what we want. But it takes time for maturity in our Christian walk. It takes time for us to mature. We have to go through things, and, and we find that in the life of of David, he, he's going through things and, and he gets a hold of God. We see his prayer. And then the, the, the last thing that we see is we see David's praise. We see his praise. I love the first word of verse 5. But. Don't you love that? You see the contrast is It's coming. He's been in the mully grubs. All of us have been there. He's in the cave of despair. We've been there too. He's discouraged. He's been down. But he calls out to Jehovah God. He calls out to Elohim. And all of a sudden, listen, all of a sudden something happens. This psalm begins in the dead of winter. And when it ends, it's a bright, sunny day mid-July. I love that. He says, but... I've trusted in your mercy. He's going from gloom to gladness. He's going from fear to faith, from sinking to swimming. He's going from worry to worship. Listen, he is about to go from questioning God to claiming the promises of God. When you look at this, it says, But I have trusted in your loving kindness. I have trusted in your mercy. That word is a, is a powerful word. And, and that word means your unfailing love. You see, uh, people have said this to me, and I know that they have said this to you. Preacher, God will not put on you more than you will bear. More than you can bear. God will not. I know, I know that, that they mean well when they say that. God will not put on you more than you can bear. I know they mean well. But please, please, please listen to your preacher. You can't find that in the Bible. Here's the passage that they're thinking about. And then we're going to circle back around, and I'm going to help you. Okay? They're thinking about 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, 
who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That is the only passage in the Bible that you can even get anywhere near that truth. And what this is talking about is temptation, that God's not going to put any temptation on you that you can't bear because there is a way of escape. But please listen to me. God will put more on you than you can bear. So you will run to Him. I promise you that. I've lived that. I've been so broken in my life, calling out to God and knowing that there's, I can't take any more. And then I just run to Him. On the screen, you'll find 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 and 9. You say, preacher, you're just a wimp. You can't take it. Well, neither could Paul. Verses 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. What? that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Isn't that good? Some of you are about to go home and try your best to Google and find this. But I'm telling you, Google away. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God won't put on you more than you can bear. He will. David understood that. And if you'll be honest, you have understood that. But I'm so glad that there is a truth here. And that truth is this. When he got to verse 5 and he got to the but, nothing had changed. All right, now listen to what I'm saying. When he got to verse 5 here and he's writing this song, nothing had changed. He was still in that situation, whatever it was. He was still facing the circumstances, whatever they were. Nothing had changed. And here's the truth that made it all worthwhile. Neither had God changed. God has not changed. He's immutable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The, the God of David is the God of Tony. And you can plug in your name there as well. I'm so glad that Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. Aren't you glad that's still in the Bible? I'm glad that's still in the Bible. I looked. It is. Hebrews 13, 5. I'm glad that this is still in the Bible. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. 
For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. One of these days when God gives me liberty, I'm going to be biographical and share with you the last month of my life. But I'm telling you right now, I can shout it from the rooftop. He did not forsake me. Nor did he forsake my dad in, the, in his life. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, he's having the time of his life right now. Walking on a street of gold, I can't wait till Saturday. We have his memorial service, and I'm going to tell some funnies, but I'm telling you what, can't... I, I honestly think, and I'll probably share this Saturday, I honestly think, because my dad, if you ever met him, talked 90 miles an hour. Judy, you're right. Just He never stopped talking ever. 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 Do y'all remember years ago when I called on him and I asked him to pray? He was seated right back there near where Barry is. And he ran down the aisle. He didn't walk. He ran down the aisle. That, that was dad. He talked all the time. And I believe, I honestly believe, my mom, she's been in heaven for two years. And she's had a break. <laughs> and I can just imagine, as, as she saw him, Oh, boy. Oh, so, oh, my, oh. Hey, sweetie, I could just, I could just imagine. I don't know where I was going with any of that. But I'm telling you, God didn't forsake my dad. He was ultimately healed on the 25th. And no matter what you've gone through, God's not forsaken you and he's not forsaken me. David said here, but I've trusted there's a contrast here. His spirits are lifting. I've trusted in your mercy. Hesed is the Hebrew, I believe, if I remember correctly. And it's your, your loving kindness, your unfailing love, your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Listen, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I will sing to the Lord because he's been good to me. No matter what we've gone through, he's been good to me. And what I love about this, if you look at it, it's written in the past. Which means that, that David had all kinds of confidence. It's past tense. I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I, I'm, I'm going to sing. I'll sing. I have trusted, past tense, I have trusted and your loving kindness. I want to say it again. We don't live by feelings. If we live by feelings, we're going to get in trouble. We live by fact. We live by promises. I'll never forget the first time that I rode a bull. I was scared to death. I was shaking in my boots. I really was. I was shaking in my boots. And um, the guy that was about to help me get on to this 
bull, this animal, he looked at me and he said, preacher, he said, you're not going to make it unless you roll with it. And I said, I don't have a, I don't, I don't, what do you mean roll with it? He said, you're just going to have to roll with it. Now, I was in Panama City, Florida, and I was a youth minister, and I was watched about five or six of my young people on this mechanical bull be thrown <laughs> off at a great distance. And I was determined that I was going to hang on to that thing. As all the kids, we had about 40 or 50 down there, all the kids were sitting around by this time, Tony, Tony. Guess what's why I thought about Mama, Mama, no. Tony, Tony. And I thought as I climbed onto that bull, Lord, just help me. So I climbed onto that thing. And I'm telling you what it did. I'm so glad he told me that. I rolled with that thing. I Some of you are doubting my story. I rolled with that thing. And I lasted longer. We're in revival. Amen. I did. Longer than any of the other kids. I was probably 22 and they were 16, but I did. I lasted longer than any of them. I was so proud of myself. Now, it eventually threw me way over <laughs> into the corner, but I rolled with it as long as I could. I'll never forget the first time and the last time that I ever rode a bull. You say, why in the world are you telling me that story? Because the psalmist spiritually understood that. I want to encourage you to take your Bible. This is not in your notes. I thought about it this morning. And, Tom, and turn to Psalm 37 and verse 5. Psalm 37 and verse 5. And I want you to see something. I would like for you to see something. Again, the psalmist David, he writes these words, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and he shall bring it to pass. This is a lesson that my dad taught me when I was a young man that I've never forgotten. That word commit in the Hebrew means roll. Roll my way on to him. Roll my circumstances, roll my situation. Listen, listen, cast all of your care on him because he cares for you. The psalmist put it like this, commit, roll your way to the Lord. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what our church is going through, no matter what our nation is going through, we, we, just, we can roll that onto our God because He cares and He shall bring it to pass. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Andrew, if you will, make your way there. And we just want to close with an open altar. 
We just want to close with an opportunity there. If you need to spend time at the altar, um, maybe you need to roll something off of your shoulders this morning and on to God's shoulders. Uh, maybe when I did the rundown, you felt that as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe um, you're dealing with a health issue, a financial issue, a relational issue. Maybe 2020 has sucker punched you. And um, you just need to roll that onto God. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, our altar is open. We feel David's pain. We sense the depth of his prayer and then his praise was so confident. I'll sing to the Lord. He has dealt bountifully with me. If you're here today and you have never met Jesus as your personal Savior, I'll be down front. I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. He'll be your best friend. I promise you that. If you need to talk about anything, I'll be down front here. I'd love to talk with you. As you stand and as I close in prayer, all over the auditorium, just stand and I'm going to pray. As you head to the house, think about the cry of David, how long and then in less than a minute of writing a song, he felt comfort because of the God that he believed in. Father, we love you. I thank you for your word. It sure has helped me this last month. As I felt myself in a recliner there in East Lake taking care of my dad often saying how long oh God it's just personally helped me that I can cry out to Jehovah that I can cry out to Elohim and that in the end my sister and I can sing praises to our God Father I thank you for that Lord I thank you for White Oak Baptist Church I thank you Lord Jesus for the opportunity to worship today. Bless us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Wave at somebody before you leave. Give them an air high five. Tell them you love